Ready for a career in behavioral health? Earn your online degree at Herzing University. Choose from health and human services, psychology, or social work programs. Gain the skills to work, coordinate, and manage nonprofits. Secure a bachelor's in psychology to study mental health or advance your social work career through our online Masters of Social Work. Let us help you become a social change agent. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Text HEALTH to 85109. That's HEALTH to 85109. Or visit herzing.edu. It's the SNL Hall of Fame Podcast with your host, Jamie Dew. Chief Librarian, Thomas Senna. And featuring Matt Ardill. And now, Curator of the Hall, Jamie Dew. All right. Thank you so much, Doug Nats. Even though you're not really there, this is just a canned recording. I want to thank you because you're that damn good. Before we go anywhere this week, I'm going to ask you, please wipe your feet before entering the hall. This is a place we like to keep neat and tidy, and uh, your dirty feet just won't cut it. The SNL Hall of Fame podcast is a weekly affair. Each episode, we take a deep dive into the career of a former cast member, host, musical guest, or writer, and add them to the ballot for your consideration. Once the nominees have been announced, we turn to you, the listener, to vote for the most deserving and help determine who will be enshrined for perpetuity in the hall. This week, we are in the host category, and we are taking a look at Christopher Walken. Uh, we'll be joined by Jamie Burwood of TV Show Graphs, and uh, I'm pretty excited about this one. So let's just dip right into Matt's Minutia Minute right now, and we'll get on with the show. Matt, how are you doing, my friend? Hey, Jamie. Thanks for having me again. Hey, you know, it wouldn't be Matt's Minutia Minute without Matt. <laughs> well, today we've got a great one. My actor of choice, Christopher Walken, uh, height six foot. Born March 31st, 1943, um, multiple time hosts. He has over 140 actor credits, two producer credits, two additional crew credits. Uh, comes from humble beginnings, born in Astoria, Queens. Uh, his mother brought him to dance classes every Sunday as a child, uh, along with his brother. I interestingly, he has heterochromia, so one eye is blue. One eye is hazel. Never knew that until I looked this uh, up for doing some research here. So it's interesting. He says the cadence of his voice actually comes from his mother being an immigrant from Glasgow and his father being an immigrant from Germany. I don't know. Uh, that is an interesting <laughs> mix. I'll take his word on it. Um, he, he has actually been in showbiz since 1950. His first television role was on the Colgate Comedy Hour, where he and his brother danced with Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis. Really? Uh, yeah, and, and they went on to alternate on the, tele the soap opera Guiding Light from 1954 to 1956, where they both played the role of Mike Bauer. Uh, yeah, he, he, it's amazing his credits as a dancer. Uh, he was so talented that Judy Garland booked him to dance with her at Liza Minnelli's 16th birthday party. Wow, what an honor. 
Well, yeah, and when you think that, oh, that's probably the wildest credit that he has in his acting and show business. No, at 16, he was a lion tamer's assistant where he pretended to be the lion tamer's son because that was the shtick and the guy did not have a kid. Maybe he was eaten by a lion. I don't know. Um, now, his real name is Ronald. Uh, he pref- he actually got Christopher as, an, as a, sh- a stage name uh, when his boss called him Christopher one night when introducing him. And it just stuck. He, he actually prefers uh, Chris to Christopher. So if you ever meet him, call him Chris. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's wild. He was almost cast as Han Solo. Uh, he tries to insert a dance into every movie. He choreographed Weapon of Choice. He was in Madonna's Bad Girl video as a guardian angel, bringing some big wings of desire energy. Um, it's 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 amazing everything he brings. Never turns down a role. Steals clothing from every movie that he's in. Uh, and uh, yeah, he has one thing I wish happened. It didn't come together. Marlon Brando cold called him shortly before his passing, pitching the idea that Walken and Brando have a have a variety show together where Brando would host and he'd make guests dance with Christopher Walken. (laughs) What? And, And I mean, like, how could you say no to Brando? Yeah. So, yeah, he is an incredible character, an incredible performer, true all around great. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to hearing today's episode. Me too. Let's get down to it. Jamie and Matt, thank you so much. Yes, today I am joined by Miss TV Show Graphs herself, the always wonderful guest, Jamie Burwood. Jamie, how are you doing today? I am doing great. I am so excited to be here to talk Christopher Walken and to just spend this wonderful evening with you. (laughs) You're such a great guest. And uh, of course, you're on you want you were actually one of the original. You're on season one of the SNL Hall of Fame, of course, season two. So before we get to Christopher Walken, we have some season two business to discuss. So you were on for the Will Ferrell episode of the SNL Hall of Fame in season two. And Will Ferrell got 92% of the vote, almost 92% of the vote, which is a new record. So he made it with flying colors. So Will Love Ferrell it. is now an SNL Hall of Famer. How much of the credit would you like to take <laughs> for that induction? As much as I would love to take. I love taking credit, but I feel like this is one where like credit has to go to Will. I think just like Looking at the ballot and talking to a lot of other people just in the last few months, I feel like he was just a, a gimme from that list. And it it's just a testament, I think, to like his impact. Um, but hopefully our discussion helped really make that case clear for folks and made it so that it was an enthusiastic checking of him without a moment's hesitation. Yeah, I thought it was a great discussion, and some might say no matter who it was, Will Ferrell would have gotten in, but you can't prove that. 
And I, if I were you, I would take a decent amount of credit for Will I'll Ferrell being an SNL Hall of Famer. Yes, <laughs> please take it. So again, today we are uh, here talking about Christopher Walken. Just a brief kind of background about Christopher Walken. He was actually a child actor in the 50s, which is interesting. I actually meant to look up some, uh, see if there's any videos online of him as a child actor. It'd be kind of strange. It'd be a little jarring to see Christopher Walken uh, as a child. Um, Some of his early credits in adulthood were Annie Hall, Deer Hunter, uh, Heaven's Gate, Pennies from Heaven, Biloxi Blues. He was in a lot of stuff in the 70s and 80s. Didn't host SNL actually until January of 1990. He was already in his mid to late 40s. So I want to know from you, Jamie, how did Christopher Walken first get on your radar? Honestly, for me, I think it was through SNL. Like, it's hard for me to remember. I'm sure, like, growing up, I had seen him in films and maybe just hadn't made that connection. For me, though, I feel like a big part of, like, his identity in my own history of knowing him was definitely through SNL. And then I feel like through that, I then went on in later years to discover a lot of his movies as I was older, kind of going back, watching some of the classics, love Deer Hunter, love some of his like recent TV work, Severance, like just doing great things all around. But yeah, honestly, SNL was, I, I think, part of my initial introduction to him. Yeah, I was trying to think too, and that that might have been it for me. So did you watch SNL reruns, like on those Comedy Central reruns? And is that how you got yeah. to SNL? Yeah, occasionally a live show, but more so like reruns in the early, or sorry, the late 90s, early 2000s. Yeah, I think that's my that might be how I know Christopher Walken the best too with SNL. I think maybe Pulp Fiction when I was a kid. I probably shouldn't have watched Pulp Fiction when I was like 12 years old, but I did. And Christopher Walken's monologue stood out in that movie. So so it was either SNL or Pulp Fiction. But you are right. Christopher Walken definitely synonymous with uh, with SNL. So before we get to start diving in into Christopher Walken specifically, you and I haven't talked about hosts. We've talked about Will Ferrell, obviously, and you were on with Jamie Dew in season one, breaking down Molly Shannon, which was great. But I want to know from you, what do you look for in a standout SNL host? Yeah. So I think when I think about like, especially like Hall of Fame caliber hosts, I think I'm looking for someone that is bringing something unique to the show that could not just be substituted in with any other person some unique brand or feeling where you're turning on an episode that this person is hosting and you feel like it is an X person type of episode. So I would say I look for that. I also, I would say, look for some element of consistency and having an impact across different eras. And I think we can talk about this a little bit later for Christopher Walken, but I do look for someone who is not just a, a blip on the SNL history radar, but somebody who it feels like the DNA is kind of like interwoven between the host and the show in a way that really feels like they've left a legacy. I definitely agree. And as we explore Christopher Walken's appearances on SNL throughout the years, I think he's going to check most, if not all, of those boxes Let's go ahead and get started with January 20th, 1990. That's season 15 of Saturday Night Live. 
Christopher Walken, that's his, this is his first episode uh, as host. A couple of things in this episode that, are, that we're going to see become staples of a Christopher Walken hosted episode. So I want to start with the monologue. So we have a song and dance monologue from Christopher Walken. I feel like a million dollars. I feel simply out of sight. It's kind of interesting. It, to me, there's a almost, I don't know, it's like a weird dichotomy between his personality and then the song and dance monologues that he seemed to prefer when he was hosting. Like, what did you think of these monologues that Christopher Walken made kind of his thing as a host? Yeah, I absolutely love it. So I am already a sucker for any time there's a musical monologue in general, and I think some do it better than others, and I think Christopher Walken is really the best of the best as far as I'm concerned. But I'm a sucker for any time you're blending like music with comedy. So I think for me, like it's actually a pretty big part of how I think of him and how I remember him as a host on the show is the just jumping right into things with music and just being like, hey, this is going to be fun. This is going to be silly. Let's just have a blast. So these are always highlights in terms of the episodes when I look back on on his hosting gigs. And we should say Christopher Walken is a seven-time host of SNL. So he's part of the Five Timers Club and then some. In six of those episodes, he did song and dance numbers. So that was definitely his thing. And with this first one, I thought it was kind of funny that he referred to people saying that he sounds like he's reading off cue cards. Hello, I'm Christopher Walken, and this is Saturday Night Live. Throughout my career, I've been accused of being cold, distant, (laughs) even sinister, often sounding as though I were reading my lines off cue cards. But if you think I'm scary, you should be standing up here. It's hard for me to describe the excitement that I'm feeling at this moment. (laughs) But I'm sure you can see just how excited I am. That's kind of a theme when we look at his episodes of SNL. That's one thing that that sticks out. But with him, to me, that's endearing. So he referenced that, but then just kind of became a reality throughout throughout, uh, his hosting gigs. And I just love his personality just in general. And of course, you know, he's, people love to imitate him and talk about how eccentric he is. The way he behaves, do you think that's played up by him? Or how much do you think is actually that's actually how he is that's such a great question yeah i i think there was a little i think there's a little bit of playing up of it that we start to see even just thinking outside of snl but like in his career i think when he became really like known for that kind of niche i think he did play that up a little bit but i like to think that a lot of that is just him and part of how he expresses himself and part of how comedy comes through in his world. So I would like to think that most of it is is part of him, but I'm curious, what do you, what do you think on that? That is such a good question. 
my feelings are on the same lines as that. I think there's a lot of, of course, when we when we see caricatures of somebody on TV or whatever, that comes from somewhere. So there's some element of truth. He's very self-aware, which I appreciate, and a lot of a lot of it's almost a wink, wink yep. uh, to the audience. So I think we saw it here, especially in this first song and dance monologue. Of course, him referencing that people think he sounds like he's reading off cue cards. He's pretty entertaining as far as just his presence in those monologues. Wouldn't you say? Absolutely. I think when I think about hosts, there's kind of this likability factor that sometimes comes into play and. As much as I don't like to anchor completely on that, I feel like in his case, likability kind of ties into who he is as a host. And I think why people do connect with him so much. I think there are other kind of oddball type folks that could come in and you come away being like, oh, like they were a little weird. It's off-putting with him. Just I'll give you an so example. <laughs> Tom Green. Yeah. It's an oddball, but he was kind of off-putting, I think, in his episode of SNL. Spoiler, I think he's he's not eligible because I think he's only hosted once, but we would probably not be, we would not do a Tom Green episode of the Saturday, (laughs) the the SNL Hall of Fame. Uh, So I think that you're correct. Like Tom Green's an example of someone who's an oddball, kind of off-putting. Christopher Walken, totally the opposite. It's great. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, so in that first episode, he did... Maybe one of his most famous sketches is definitely his most famous recurring sketch. So he did the first installment of The Continental, which was, to me, it fit the overall vibe of that era of SNL. And Christopher Walken was probably the perfect person to play that role. So tell me about your thoughts about The Continental sketches. Yeah, no, absolutely love these. I think... Even just thinking about like episode one or his first episode in the context of his hosting career, I feel like the Continental really just sets the stage for like what we're going to get with him as host for the next however many appearances, the other six after that. I think the thing that's great is it's first of all, it's basically him on his own, right? Like you have kind of the, the hand or like oh, little yeah. bits coming in, but it's mm-hmm. him owning that. And I think like that, that's not an easy task to like command attention when you are the one person kind of just carrying and, and doing the sketch yourself. And he, he brings such a like detail orientation to some, some of these renderings, I feel like where you just like, are watching every little facial expression and there's just fun moments. I I don't think it's the first one, but later on where like a little bit of his mustache falls off and just these little, little details that I think because of how the sketch is filmed and because of what he is bringing to it, you end up laughing at just all of these random little moments, little one-liners. I feel like it's a very quotable series of sketches. It's just great. You know, when you called, my heart sang. Allow me to take your rap. No? I see. You've only come to reclaim your misplaced glove. Then you must go. There's not a lot of host that I would trust with doing one of those straight monologue, straight to the camera, yep. carrying an entire sketch kinds of pieces. And Walken is one of them, especially first-time hosts. He did this Continental sketch in his very first episode hosting. That's a lot of trust to put in a host. So 
whoever wrote that in the show knew that they could trust Christopher Walken with something like that. And to your point, there's a little piece of SNL trivia that the only other person to appear on camera other than Christopher Walken in those sketches was Julia Sweeney. That was in the second installment. You could see her at the beginning kind of running out in a haste. (laughs) So that was Julia Sweeney was the only other person to appear actually on camera uh, in those sketches. Love it. Yeah. And I feel like the other thing about these sketches that really stood with me is I feel like after the first one or even two, there kind of are these moments that you're looking for. So like his champagne pronunciation, (laughs) which he'll do way better than me. But don't you see, I would be devastated if you did not join me for at least one glass of fine champagne. These little moments that like it becomes, you're looking for those in the sketch and just anticipating eagerly like when that will come up and almost like laughing before the line is even out because you know it's coming, you know it's happening and just he he delivers it so well. But I also feel like the series of sketches like there's enough nuance and enough different in each one that you feel like you're still looking forward to it when it comes back in his next hosting gig and the one after that and and so on. I look at good recurring sketches as almost like meditations. Like I kind of know the beats that are coming and it's so comforting and I don't mind knowing the beats because it's about the execution. So in these continental sketches, I know that he's going to say something that insults the woman that he's talking to. She's going to try to leave. He's going to run to the door and plead his case as to why she shouldn't and all of that. But there's something real comforting about knowing the beats and seeing how they're going to fill in those beats. Same with like we talk about Stefan, who's one of the arguably one of the greater characters in SNL history. That's formulaic, but I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing, formulaic. I think that could be really great. Yeah. When you're just that good, I feel like people love seeing more of it, right? And that's where, again, someone else doing this sketch in this series of sketches, it just would not work. And that's where I think you look to what the person and the host is actually bringing into it themselves that really sets it apart. And I do have some questions about the world that's being built in these sketches. I want to I know if you can help me unpack some of this stuff. So I'm wondering, is that an apartment, a house, or like a hotel that, that he's they, in? Yeah, that's a great question. <laughs> I, I was thinking of it as like somewhat of a permanent residence just based on like things that we're seeing in there and like some of the nods to like setups like the there's a two-way mirror in one in one episode so I was thinking of it as kind of like a fancy-ish apartment but I like this is not an official source of truth opinion that was just kind of how I was framing it no we're just spitballing here I think when I was when I first saw them as a kid I thought he was in a hotel room yeah now I think it's probably like yeah now I think it's like probably like a high-rise apartment yeah sort of thing why is his name the continental I didn't know for the longest time that that's his name that's the character's name yeah that is a great question yeah I don't know I mean I recently found out about it being based on like a real show from like the 50s, which was total news to me. So I would be very interested in like going back and seeing what elements of that, like how much of an exaggeration and a parody it it was, if it was just a little bit of inspiration that came from that, or if like specific names and elements were in that as well. But that was fascinating to me. 
maybe a deep dive into whatever TV show that that yeah. that that inspired that is is necessary, and maybe you could come up with some graph. Yeah, for, yeah. For I'll just see if I, I can hunt, hunt that one down. Hunt that one down. Yes. <laughs> what does he do to make money? Hmm. <laughs> I always pictured him as just like independently wealthy through like family wealth. <laughs> yeah, I thought it seemed like maybe generational wealth. I didn't get the impression that it's something that like wealth he created. Yeah. Necessarily. Uh, it's probably generational wealth. He doesn't seem to be, he seems a little inept in certain, in certain ways. Mm-hmm. So I would be yep. shocked if he created a whole bunch of wealth for himself. Agreed. So, yeah. I feel like he's just like, not like, how do I put it? Like inept is probably the, the right word. Like that's, I feel like why this character works so much because you are laughing at him for like such a big part um, so I think that's why I've always just assumed like he wasn't doing definitely nothing too important. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. He he clearly it seems like he has a lot of time on his hands. So why are the women at his and we'll call it Skyrise High Rise apartment? Why are the women there in the first place? Like, is he truly a smooth talker at first? Or I wonder. That's a good question. I feel like. <laughs> There was one where there was like a flyer of some sort, right? Like, did he find something? Or I feel like there there was one where there was some sort of like a pretense or some sort of like mm-hmm. explanation. But otherwise, I kind of assumed maybe it tied into the wealth. Like, he was like good at like luring or like bringing the women there. But then like you kind of see his real his real deal. But yeah, he can only keep up the suave persona for for so long. Yeah. 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 And my last one is where is he from? Mm. (laughs) Where is the continental from? Where is the continental from? What's his accent? Yeah. What? Oh my gosh. I'm so bad with accents. Latin American or European? Yeah. Since this stems from something real, apparently, that might be the answer. Yeah, there might be a real answer for this. I always just thought, like, somewhere European and, like, my own lack of accents, like, leading me to just leave it at that and not even, like, try to figure out what what it might be mapped to. But, yeah, I'm curious if there's any, like, yeah, if the source material has any, like, hints to that. Any hints, yeah. Yeah, I was thinking... Maybe somewhere near the border of Spain and France yep. in that area. Maybe I don't I don't know where the Champagne region yeah, exactly. is, but maybe <laughs> but maybe near there. I don't know. There's there's hints of European, but also some hints of like Latin American. Yeah, yeah, I can there. see a case to be made for that as well. So. Yeah, so we might be as befuddled now as we were when we walked mm. into this discussion and certainly as befuddled as some of the women that were in the Continental's place of residence, <laughs> as it were. <laughs> so we love the Continental and I think most SNL fans, that's probably a beloved thing uh, amongst most SNL fans as well. So I could mention that was his first episode. He did the song and dance monologue, which became a walk-in staple, the Continental, which became a walk-in staple, and uh, what else stands out to you as far as walk-in hosted SNL episodes? So I think kind of opening it up to all of his episodes over the years, definitely a few memorable sketches. I think what's cool about him is I feel like the show straddled a nice balance of like letting him come into like kind of the play box of like 
sketches that were already like recurring and like worlds that we already knew, but then also like creating some great standalone stuff. So one that I definitely want to talk about is Ed Glosser Trivial Psychic, because <laughs> this one to me is just it's a it's a personal favorite. Hey, psychic man, what do you see happening in the World Series, Toronto or Atlanta? <sighs> I can't believe you're asking me to use my power in that way. You're reading a bag of pistachios. You will find that one is very difficult to open. Yeah? You will not be able to open it with your fingers. You'll have to use your teeth. It's gonna taste very bad. So just the one nut? Yes. Okay, well thanks for that tip. I'm gonna go call my bookie now. My favorite types of sketches, and I've said this before, is like one where the premise on its own is brilliant. Like, this is just a great premise for a sketch. So for those who haven't seen it recently, it's basically this guy who's a psychic, but a very, like, mundane things. Like, you left your coffee cup in the taxi cab and other just ridiculously hilarious, like, non-important things. I love that kind of just, like, silly, stupid, but, like, also smart premise for a sketch. I love so I, that that's built yeah. up too the, like right. it's like they, they it's dramatic and he's and he, he stops the person he kind of touches the person and they're like ah and he's like he's telling them like you mentioned you left your cup of coffee in the taxi yeah. and he's like oh okay he's like i just i guess i'll get a new one or yeah, What's yeah or something happened with your your made or something at the house happened yep. it's just yeah I, I i love that how they take they took such a ridiculous premise and sort of made it dramatic exactly yeah so it's like this great premise that like exists credit to the writers or whoever came up with this on its own but then you have christopher walken coming in and the role that he's playing taking it to the next level and that's my favorite combo great premise and then just complete elevation by the folks involved. And I think he just, you see a little bit of the like zaniness. It's not maybe his like complete stereotypical oddball character, but like it has notes of that, which I feel like I also really appreciate when it's not just like him playing the complete stereotype or caricature that we maybe think of when we think of him, but it takes elements of that kind of zaniness and pulls it into a sketch in kind of a unique way. So this this one is great. I feel like more people need to like go back and, and rewatch this one because I, I feel like sometimes it doesn't get talked about enough, but I, I love it. So that was Ed Glosser, Trivial Psychic. That was in season 18 of the show. That was October 24th, 1992. So still in his early days yep. uh, as a host. That was the second episode that he hosted. Uh, one, one, one that I love from his early days, too, is actually for, still from his first episode. That was when he appeared on Attitudes, the Jan Hooks, Nora Dunn yeah. sketch. And he played the Rainbow Head. So he yeah. played like the guys. He was a guest on attitudes which was based on a real show but it was jan hooks and nora dunn playing talk show hosts who were a bit sarcastic when they talked to their guest they would feign interest in what the guest was talking about and so christopher walken was on on an episode of attitudes playing rainbow head the guys at the football game who would hold up the john 316 sign wear the rainbow wig and that was just such great deadpan delivery 
by walking in that sketch. There are so many Johnny-come-latelys. Uh, take, for example, a certain chicken. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to say his name. I don't want to dignify what he does. Oh, no, it's the San Diego chicken, isn't it? I love him. He's so oh, cute, isn't yeah, he? Yeah. yeah, He's a whore. <laughs> Go anywhere for money. I want you to know that I have not asked for dime one mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. 15 mm -hmm. years. That's a great one. I Watching that one again recently just... It was one that I don't think really stuck with me that much like earlier on, or maybe it had been a while since I had seen it. But you just see, again, Christopher Walken in a role where they take elements of the, the zaniness and play off of it. I feel like there were a lot of just great lines around this, some play around the Bible stuff and just like jokes around kind of the rainbow heads rainbow and just like awesome fun little one-liners from this um so yeah really really good call it on that one i agree yeah there's uh you you expect a character like rainbow head to be this wacky personality but walken plays him as somebody who's kind of self-serious <laughs> in a lot of ways and we should say too that he's walking is definitely glued to the cue cards in, in that episode but it works it, it in that sketch but it works for that sketch it works for that character i don't know why we yeah. would be criticizing so many other hosts for just being glued to the cue cards but when walking does it it somehow seems to fit but yeah and he does like deadpan so well which i feel like kind of pairs all right with like reading cue cards right it's just kind of that like staring potentially because of reading cue cards, but like also staring and like having a interesting like facial expression just because it's like a zaniness that he's bringing to a particular character. So I feel like it all kind of like blends in really well for me and just like creates this persona of like what we've come to know him as as a host. So that was Attitudes, the Attitudes sketch from season 15. That was his first hosting gig. So Jamie, what else? Okay, I don't know if this is too early to discuss because I'm jumping over, I'm jumping a few episodes ahead to I think his fourth one, but got to talk more cowbell at mm -hmm. some point. So, I mean, I think honestly, like this is the sketch that most people, if they're like being asked, name one Christopher Walken SNL sketch. I mean, I'd be curious actually what those results were, but I would be surprised if this was not the very top of the list. So I don't want to go too long without talking about it just because I think it it's just so so much a part of who he is as an SNL host. And I was actually like rewatching this clip the other day and my husband heard literally the first half second of this from like all the way across the room under headphones and was like, oh my gosh, ripped the headphones off, came <laughs> over, had to watch it and like recited the whole thing along with it. And I think there's a lot of people for which that is true. It's just, it's a classic. This is incredible. I can't believe Bruce Dixon digs our sound. Easy guys, I put my pants on, just like the rest of you, one leg at a time. Except once my pants are on, I make gold records. <laughs> I think if you ask somebody to name, not just a Christopher Walken sketch, but just an yeah. SNL sketch, the cowbell sketch might be the first one that they mentioned just out of any sketch ever. That's how huge and viral that's actually viral. I don't think was a term that existed in like the entertainment context in 2000, but I think this sketch did kind of go viral. I mean, I had people who I didn't even know 
who watched SNL talking about this sketch immediately a few days after it aired. That's how popular this sketch became. And and you and I, of course, talked about Will Ferrell in season two. And I think Walken is up there with Will Ferrell as far as what's memorable about this sketch. People remember Will Ferrell's physicality. They remember his belly coming out of the shirt. But Christopher Walken has gold line after gold line. Just so many memorable quotes from this sketch. I'll be honest, fellas, it was sounding great, but... I could have used a little more cowbell. <laughs> so, let's take it again. And Gene. Yeah. Really explore the studio space this time. You got it, Bruce. I mean, really. Yeah. Explore the space. Okay. This was just kind of like the stars falling into place, right? And like having such a great premise, such great execution. And like you said, we talked a little bit about all that, that Will Ferrell brought to this sketch, but I think equally like Christopher Walken's part was huge. Um, and I know Will Ferrell has talked in the past about how like this was a sketch that like had been thought about. And I think like didn't quite make it like in earlier iterations or thinking about it in the context of with other hosts. And then finally kind of saw the light of day with this episode. And I think it, it also just fits to me the like, vibe. When I think of a Christopher Walken episode and like the type of humor that I'm going to get, I feel like this is everything great about that type of vibe and and tone. And it's just, it's like you said, it's an all time, all time great. His delivery and his character in that sketch was necessary to balance out Will Ferrell's more over the top physicality. I think it was, it was a perfect kind of grounding force for that sketch. And they didn't need, I mean, they could have just had Will Ferrell do his thing and it probably would have been funny. But I think what put it over the top was Christopher Walken as Bruce Dickinson coming in and saying funny things. Babies, before we're done here, y'all be wearing gold-plated diapers. What does that mean? Never question Bruce Dickinson. You had mentioned one thing you look for in a great host is being able to work well with different eras of the cast. And I think a good example and something that is right up your alley, having done the Molly Shannon episode of the SNL Hall of Fame, was he was in a Mary Catherine Gallagher sketch in his third time hosting. So uh, to me, to me, that this was wonderful for many reasons. But you being the Molly Shannon person, I mean, what did you think of this one? I love it. So I love just the the dancing off, like just the two of them dancing together is just a terrific moment for me. It's just, it's fun. It's silly. And I I think it kind of speaks a little bit to like what I was talking about earlier with like letting him kind of play in the play box or the sandbox or whatever you want to call it of the show. So I feel like just kind of seeing him and, and she kind of like has a little bit of a fantasy about him. And then we see the cutaway of them dancing together, which I thought was a a fun, nice twist because I feel like with some of the like recurring sketches, you need that like little something different to like keep it fresh. And I feel like that one uh, with Christopher Walken did did have that. But yeah, I love that the show did let him play with some of these like really classic characters over time. And, and I think that that was a, a great one. We get a, a Sally O'Malley at one point. Mm-hmm. We get some... Like the lovers ones, which we can talk about in a bit. Yeah, Rita, Rita Del Vecchio, which yeah. was Sherry a Terry yeah. character. He's Getting in a sketch. There, yeah. yeah. So I, I love that. Right, like it's you want to strike that right balance. Like I don't want it to just all be like the host coming into all of the like 
recurring sketches and it feels a little bit like fan service sometimes when that happens. But I, I like to see a little bit of that to like let us have fun in combining the worlds, but then also sketches that really stand alone and that maybe aren't necessarily recurring ones. And him dancing with Mary Catherine Gallagher in that sketch was so cool because they danced all the way throughout 8H, throughout the whole studio. They weren't contained with just the set that they were on. You saw them dancing from where the, the sketch was taking place in the studio to, I think they went to home base at one point, which is the which is the main stage. I think they went like through the audience. So that was so cool to see them like take this character and take this sketch and have it go through like the entire studio. SNL doesn't all, they certainly don't do that often during actual sketches. You might see them do that during a monologue or something, but that that was just so fun to see that. Definitely a memorable Christopher Walken sketch with uh, one of my favorite characters ever in Mary Catherine Gallagher. That was a real fun one. What other sketches should we talk about? Yeah. So others that I absolutely love I love the centaur interview. I just, this one makes me laugh like no other. Every single interview question that is being asked here is just brilliant. The writing is so good. He is so good in this. I just, I, this is a like a top, a top sketch of all time for me. I don't know if it's what it is, but it just, it makes me laugh so much. No, it's great. It's uh, it's Christopher Walken interviewing a centaur played by Chris Parnell for a job. He's doing a job interview with the centaur. And of course, you know, when you're interviewing a centaur, you might think certain questions in your head, but maybe not ask it. But Christopher Walken's character asks the centaur these deeply personal <laughs> questions about what it's like to be a centaur. Do you have sex with horses or with human women? Uh, neither. I'm really only attracted to other centaurs. Okay. Just fantastic. Very smart writing. To me, it's, I love that it's not played up too big. Yep. They're grounded in reality. There's just, just so happens to be a centaur in the sketch, but the overall premise and delivery is grounded in reality. I think that's perfect. And you got to trust the audience that they know that uh, obviously a centaur on screen is an unusual thing and it doesn't have to be played up huge. I think the sketch definitely trusts the audience to, to go along with them, go along with the deadpan. I think this is such a, a wonderful example of what I love about what Christopher Walken brings or brought to SNL. This was in his fifth hosting gig. It was season 26, if anybody wants to go back and check it out. But just wonderful interplay between uh, Walken and Chris Parnell. Agreed. Yeah, I love a good, like, two-person. I know there was, like, one other person at the beginning, but, like, most of the sketch was the two of them kind of back and forth these questions and just the dynamic that you kind of feel between the two characters and just kind of the, a little bit of the like back and forth bantering, the like, would you have sex with a monkey with a mask online? And then the like, well, the interview is not about me retort. Just like all of these great like plays that go in both ways. I feel like between these characters and Christopher Walken, is just a, a blast in this one. I, I love it. I'm glad you mentioned that one because that's something that I highlighted (laughs) (laughs) as well. Uh, Something else that stands out to me in keeping with the theme of walking, having good interaction with one other person, so it's basically a two-person sketch, is the census uh, that he did with Tim Meadows. That was in the same episode as the cowbell sketch. Uh, It was in uh, season 25. 
Christopher Walken plays a man who, well, Tim Meadows plays a man who's a census taker. He goes to Christopher Walken's apartment to ask some questions, some standard census questions, and it takes just a hilarious, odd, very Christopher Walken y kind of turn. Um, how many people live in this residence? Oh boy, that's a good question. <laughs> I'm bad with numbers, maybe 80. <laughs> 80 people live in this apartment? Seems high, doesn't it? Not 80. How about four? I don't know. I'm so bad at guesstimating. Well, why don't just take your time and count? Okay. There's me, my wife, our plants. We have some candy bars. Seems like this type of humor is up your alley yes. as well, Jamie. Yeah, I I like that parallel, actually, between those two sketches. Like, I can see the similar vibes or DNA between them, actually. So I'm. it's an interesting, like, comparison you made there because now I, I totally I totally see it and, and probably will, like, continue to, to associate these two together. Um, but, yeah, I think even though they were in different episodes, the two-person dynamic of just kind of a back and forth of questions in some way and just seeing the again the strength of the questions themselves like I think the in the witty responses to in this case like seeing that that interplay I think is great so again awesome writing for the sketch like kudos to those involved there but also like his role in just making it the perfect amount of wacky so I feel like this one was great with like the the bobcat line to to end <laughs> to his wife like yelling off camera, just like taking some of those things that we know and love about Christopher Walken, but like building a bigger character and a bigger world around that, and just being like, hey, here's X many minutes of fun, like enjoy, guys. Like that's that's kind of what this sketch is to me. And Tim Meadows is such a perfect scene partner with Christopher Walken. I mean, Tim Meadows plays it, I think, the escalation perfectly from a little confused to very confused. And then by the end, it's like, actually kind of like this guy. Like, Tim Meadows was kind of on board with him by the end by the end of the sketch. All right, let me go over this again, then. You are a convicted criminal living alone in an apartment with a bobcat. And you work 56 hours a week as a street performer. Mm. When you say it like that, my life sounds pretty damn good. You know what? I've talked to a lot of people all over this country, and your life is pretty damn good. You want to get a beer? I'd love to, but, you know, the old ball and chain. <laughs> all right, take care. Have a good one. Tim Meadows, somebody who we haven't talked about much here on the Esna Hall of Fame. I imagine in future seasons, he might be worth discussing uh, in his own episode, but he was just really great with Christopher Walken in this one. Completely agree. Yeah, I know that was another, I think, like top, top caliber sketch for Christopher Walken. There's still plenty, I think, that he's, that I enjoyed him in. So what else did you love him in on the show? I love, and this is his sixth episode hosting, the Pranksters sketch. (laughs) So this is once like a, a play of the like prankster type shows, like a punkter or something like that. I'm assuming is kind of what they were getting at here. But yeah, it was in 2003, so I think that, punk yeah. was getting perfect. Maybe popular around that time. Yep, yep. So basically, like you think that his character is this 
uh, just like going to be having played an innocent prank on someone and that that's what we're flashing back, back to. And we see that it was actually much more than that, basically an assault and that this guy is actually a little bit creepy. And then just kind of the, the fallout from that um, just with the host. And yeah, I, I love this one. Seth Meyers plays the host of this show called Pranksters. Yeah, it's again, Christopher Walken playing this super deadpan delivery um, maybe he he probably doesn't understand what the show is. So the prank, it's, it's essentially he's on there to share a video of a prank that he pulled on somebody. And it's somebody maybe he had a disagreement with. And Seth Meyers sets it up and thinks he's going to pull like a, just some wacky, harmless prank. And Walken comes from behind the car and just basically beats the crap out of this person. And Seth Meyers is appropriately horrified. And Christopher Walken's just like, what? This is just what happened. The fallout afterwards, I think, between Seth and then Christopher Walken's character is just the highlight of the episode for me. Just seeing the, like, shock and awe, and then you have the the sound effects guy is still, like, coming in with these, like, completely inappropriate, like, upbeat sound effects, like, after we've learned all of this about um, about the character. And, yeah, just that that play between the two of them is is wonderful as the, as the sketch wraps up. So I enjoy this one. We had talked about, again, him working with different eras of the cast. He hosted in 2008, which was just an amazing era of SNL and just a a who's who of cast members. And one thing that I love that he did in that episode was he uh, played well with Andy Samberg and Bill Hader. He was willing to be in a Laser Cats sketch, which, oh my gosh, Laser Cats was is one of my favorite just kind of purely dumb things that's ever been on SNL. I just love those laser cat sketches and just seeing Christopher Walken just totally embrace it seemed like he just totally embraced the premise of that and completely fit in to just just the pure dumbness yep. of the entire thing. You called first captain? Nitro, Admiral Spaceship, the Terrors of the Galaxy. Whoa guys, you have laser cats? They were illegal. These cats, they're tearing up the galaxy. All right, Captain, anything for you. Do the right thing. I think he he fits in well with different types of humor, right? Like you can put him in a kind of just silly, dumb kind of sketch and he it, it works, right? He works in many other different kinds of, of sketches as well, which I think is, again, yet another reason why he is so great. But I love seeing him in those moments where it's just like, He's doing something silly, wearing something silly in a sketch that is just there to just make people smile and laugh. And like, that's that's great. Like, that's that's what SNL is here for. Right. Like, this is we're here to laugh. So, yeah, that that was another that was, that was great. Yeah. I imagine Andy Samberg and Bill Hader pitching that to Christopher Walken when he showed up on that Monday and Walken just being like, sounds sounds dumb i'm on board let's yep. do it like yep. <laughs> and he knew he knew what his role was in that sketch and he uh, he played it to perfection so that was laser cats from uh from 2008 and uh, in that same episode like just people love doing walking impressions there's mm-hmm. like jay moore i think kevin pollock does a really good walking impression he just has that cadence and that voice of course that's just like demands doing an impression. I won't. Uh, I won't do my Christopher Walken impression because it's not up to par, and I, <laughs> I want to spare the audience and you my Walken impression. But they had a Walken family reunion in this episode. I thought it was kind of cool just to see all the cast members doing their various takes 
on their Christopher Walken impression. That was such a fun, a fun moment overall. And I love that it comes in the last episode that he's hosted. And just like, it feels like a cool, like, cool thing to be in the last episode that he's hosted. And I think there's just an element of playfulness to it, right? Just seeing all of the different impressions and like everyone's take on that type of vibe and just it, it all coming together. That's, that's to me just like, yeah, fun times. I will take any Christopher Walken impression that anyone has like paraded all together. And I'm, I'm a happy camper. No complaints. <laughs> yeah, it was super fun. We saw Bill Hader, which I think Bill Hader's is probably the best one, but yeah. that's not a surprise. Christopher... I can't believe you made it. We also saw Keenan attempt one. It's amazing. Two months with them, and now I talk just like a normal American teenage boy. Amy Poehler attempted one. My doll's name is Jenny. She's a good doll, but she doesn't like ghosts, and neither do I. Ghosts scare me, and... I'm pretty sure one is living under my bed. Daryl Hammond did a good one, but he's also like another master impressionist. Well, if it isn't Mr. Hollywood coming home to grace us with his presence, wow. (laughs) So that was just super fun. They've done that before with other people who just begged to be impersonated, like Drew Barrymore. They had something similar. Adam Sandler. I think they literally did a Sandler family reunion in an episode that he hosted, and it was similar vibes. So this was... Was, yeah, this was a, a wonderful thing. So uh, anything else throughout his hosting tenure that you want to talk about? The only other big one that I would be like mad at myself if I didn't bring it up was Colonel Angus. I feel like that is just a like, again, when you think about him on the show, like top caliber moment. And who is this little rosebud? This is our daughter, Melinda. Colonel Angus. The pleasure is all mine. I've heard so much about you. Well, my dear, don't believe everything you hear about old Colonel Angus. Colonel Angus might be rough. Colonel Angus might not smell like a bed of roses, but but deep down, Colonel Angus is very sweet. Well, we hope you'll spend the night with us. Well, thank you, Miss Annabelle. And if I overstay my welcome, just tap me on the head. It's great. And I love, too, that this one is in a bit of a, a different era. So I think this was his sixth mm-hmm. hosting gig. But again, just getting to see him play with like whole new era of cast, some new folks in here and just... But I mean, it's it's a classic, right? Like, I think just the whole, like, the wordplay element, but then the elevation again that comes when, like, he is brought into the scene that just kind of takes it to the next level. So, yeah, another another classic that I would be mad for not bringing up. Yeah, that's something that stood out to me, too. And it was, like, 2003. I remember a lot of the humor back then. It was a lot of wordplay and innuendo. Yep. So this definitely fit with, with the, the time period of SNL and kind of in, in culture, for sure. And he played well with, uh, who was in that sketch? Rachel Dratch, that, Amy, yep. Poehler, yeah, Amy Poehler, Chris yeah. Parnell was in that one, too. So Walken was just, he, he just seems like a wonderful scene partner for if you're an SNL cast member, because it seems like he gets it. He just totally understands the assignment and knows the proper way to deliver it, the proper tone of the sketch. I think Christopher Walken just gets it. 
I said it before, but I just to emphasize, like, I love seeing him get to play with so many different types, so many different people, so many legends on this show, right? Like, it's just really cool to me when you see these hosts that spans, like, for Christopher Walken from 1990 to 2008, getting to see, I mean, across that 18 years, there was a lot of change on the show, right? Just even even when I think back to like his first episode in 1990 and like the cast that he was interacting with then versus his 92 episode, like felt like completely different worlds. And I, I think even his subsequent episodes, even though there were some common threads, I think, especially like in the like early two thousands appearances, there were enough changes also starting to happen over the time that it really feels like each time he's on the show, he's getting to interact with, someone new or maybe a different combination of cast members in a way that that I think really creates a lot of cool cool magic. Yeah, he interacted really well in a monologue that actually I I made a note for myself to mention because it's a monologue that stood out to me probably for the last 20 years since I saw it. I don't know why, it just kind of you get these earworms or these things that just rattle in your brain, but the one he did with uh, Jimmy Fallon, it was they saying let's call the whole thing off. You say potato and I say potato. You say tomato and I say tomato. Potato, potato, tomato, tomato. Let's go. Oh, 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 <laughs> Jimmy, what's up? <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I don't, I don't, I don't think it's how the song goes. What do you mean? I, are you singing uh, the two words the same? I think you have to say like tomato and potato. Tomato. <laughs> Something like that. What's that? <laughs> it's just how they say it. Okay. Yeah. I'll give it a try. It was perfectly weird in a subtle way. Of course, Walken gets the song wrong, and then Jimmy Fallon's like yep. trying to correct him at first, and then Jimmy Fallon just sort of, he goes with it. Look, son. <laughs> Sometimes you just gotta do what you gotta do. <laughs> Let me show you. Okay. And the one and the two. I say potato, and I say potato, you say tomato, and I say tomato, potato, potato, tomato, tomato, let's call the whole thing off. And I think that's 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 the theme. So we talked about Tim Meadows' character in the census sketch, just kind of being befuddled by Christopher Walken playing a character, but being befuddled by him at first and then just sort of buying in. And you have this monologue where Jimmy Fallon's confused by Christopher Walken and then he, by the end, buys in. That says a lot about how maybe audiences view Christopher Walken just in general. <laughs> you kind of this kind. He's kind of a weird eccentric guy. Don't know what to make of him. When I was a kid, I saw him do this weird, funny monologue in Pulp Fiction. Like, what was that? Who is this guy? And then, of course, he wins me over. And I'm a huge Christopher Walken fan. I think that's kind of the arc for for a lot of people going from I don't know what to make of this to he's my guy. I'm on board. Totally, yeah. And I, I think one thing that's really unique to me about Christopher Walken when I think about just all of the different SNL hosts throughout history. I think there's a lot of SNL hosts where like they leave a legacy on the show and that's great. That's definitely something I look for in a host. But what's cool about Christopher Walken is I feel like the reverse also is true. Like you can see the impact that SNL has had on how people how people see Christopher Walken. And again, maybe I'm biased by the fact that it was one of my like 
earliest like moments of of thinking of him and it was very much defined by his SNL sketches and characters but I feel like even now when people think of Christopher Walken like the things that come to mind are very intertwined with SNL and this like the humor that people have come to love for him I feel like was built and like cultivated through his SNL hosting so it's really cool to to see that and I think there's not that many hosts where that can be said for, or at least not to that extent that it's said for him. No, I agree. I think his Hollywood roles have been, he's, he's a character actor, a wonderful character actor, but if you, just the average person probably knows more of his SNL stuff than his work in like Annie Hall or Catch Me If You Can or The Deer Hunter or any of those movies. I do think you're right. I think he's one of those yep. people who is synonymous with, with SNL, even compared to his movies. And I know a lot of people who like came to know or appreciate him through SNL and then that made them appreciate him in other movies or you see him in a role in a movie and you now look at it in a slightly different way of, oh, that's that zany guy who's been hosting SNL the last few years. And it kind of, I think, builds into this like love that I feel like a lot of people have for him as an actor and as a persona, like SNL helped build that in who he is and how how audiences see him, which I think is is really cool and just speaks to, I think, like cultural impact of, of SNL and just how it was really a like working both ways type of relationship on there. So it's been almost 15 years since he last hosted the show. It was in 2008. Have we seen the last of Christopher Walken as a host on Saturday Night Live? So I'm trying to decide if I want to be my optimist self or my <laughs> pessimist self right now. Um... Okay, so if you were giving me like a million dollars to bet on this and I was actually trying to optimize, I would probably say that it's the last that we've seen just because it has been such a gap. But I would love to think that it's not. Like, how cool would it be if this was not the last time that we've seen him? And I mean, it would be a a crazy huge gap. But I mean, he's still active. He's still doing great work. And I, I don't think it's that impossible. Like, again, if I'm betting on the most likely scenario, I would say more than 50% chance that he's done, but I don't think it's that much higher than 50%. And on a more optimistic day, maybe I would put my million dollars on him coming back. I am inclined to agree that I, my gut tells me that it's his, that 2008 was, was his last hosting gig. But if I'm going to appeal to your optimistic side, Jamie, like you said, He's still working. He's actually going to be in Dune Part 2 that's going to be released in November later this year. So that might be an excuse for him to return for season 49. I don't know how big of a role he has in the movie, but he's going to be in the movie and it's probably going to be a big movie, I would assume. And season 50 is coming up pretty soon. And if you know a lot of us SNL fans have visions of bringing back past greats to host and make cameos and Christopher Walken's definitely one of those where would love for him to host if for no other reason that it's special and it's season 50 and somebody like him should host so those are the appeals to your more optimistic side yes and how cool would that be like if this was not the last that we've seen of him hosting SNL and if we got got some more of him in the show's history like to me what he's already written for us is already legendary. So anything else would just be such a cool treat, like cherry on top of the Sunday. Would love, love to see that though. That would be awesome. 
So now's the time where you speak directly to our listeners and voters and you sum up your case for why Christopher Walken should be strongly considered for the SNL Hall of Fame. All right. So for anyone listening, Christopher Walken is an absolutely legend caliber host of SNL. When you ask people on the street, anyone you're talking to, favorite all-time hosts, his name will undoubtedly be thrown out there many times. He's versatile. He's consistent. I think when you think about the seven episodes that he's hosted, I would argue that there's not a bad one in the bunch. There's this really unique kind of tonal vibe to his episodes that I think speaks to what he is bringing to the episodes as a host. There is a consistency across eras that's really cool that we talked about. And he just brings so much of himself into the show, but also the show impacted him in a way that I think is just really unique and cool. So, I mean, in in my book, he is tip top of the list in terms of legend status host. And I hope that you feel the same way. So there's that tip top of the list, Jamie says. I like it. I like it a lot. Uh, learned a lot. So thank you so much, both Thomas and Jamie. That was a, a fantastic trip through the career of Mr. Christopher Walken. Now, before we go anywhere, we are going to check out a sketch. And there is one important thing to note in this sketch. Uh, both Thomas and Jamie selected this sketch for its uh, comedic sensibility. It's a different type of sketch, though, uh, in terms of visualness. It, it requires a little bit more theater of the mind. The most important thing to take note is that Chris Parnell is a centaur. So keep that in mind as you listen to this, because you can't see it. You can only hear it. But Chris Parnell is a centaur, and this is the Centaur Job Interview with Christopher Walken. I'm sorry, Dr. Wallace, but I'm afraid we're looking for someone with a little more experience to fill our chief resident position. I understand. So did I get the job? No, you didn't. Thank you. You won't regret this. I'll see you Monday morning. <laughs> you didn't get the job. Uh, Debbie, please send in the next applicant. Dr. Winter. Hello. Oh. <laughs> you must be Dr. Levitt. It's a pleasure to finally meet you. You've come highly recommended. Well, a couple of those recommendations came from Yale men, so I hope you won't hold that against me. <laughs> now, as you know, we're becoming a teaching hospital. Sit, please. I wish I could. <laughs> Our new chief resident will help lead that transition. Uh, well, at Johns Hopkins, I actually chaired the faculty committee that oversaw coordination between the school and the hospital. As I said, your qualifications are most impressive. Thank you. Now. Would you mind if I ask you a few questions about being a centaur? Please, go ahead. Believe me, I've heard them all. Can I ride you? <laughs> Only if I can ride you. <laughs> no. 
fair enough. <laughs> Moving on, could you enter yourself in the Kentucky Derby? <clears throat> I don't know. If you did, would you have to have a little horse riding on you, like instead of a jockey? I, I see what you're saying, but again, I really don't know. Because it seems like you already have a jockey with the person part of you. Right. Um, are we going to discuss my medical qualifications? The rest of the interview will be centaur questions. <laughs> Do you have sex with horses or with human women? Uh, neither. I'm really only attracted to other centaurs. Okay. What, what if it was a horse with a mask of a woman on it? No. I mean, would you have sex with a monkey if it had a mask on? This interview is not about me. <laughs> what if you saw a horse, but it was standing so that its head was in a barn or something? Would you maybe be attracted to that horse's rear end? Uh, I don't... Where is the head exactly? It's in the barn. Or behind a door or a vase or something. So you can't see it. Uh, I might be attracted to it, briefly. Okay. So let's say, hypothetically, you could have sex with the back end. And it's guaranteed to be the greatest sex you've ever had, but you'd never know if it was a horse or a centaur. Hmm. You know, that's uh, pretty intriguing. Uh, if I'd really never know, I, I guess I would. It was a horse. Oh, come on. <laughs> It was a horse. Deal with it. Now, could you make the back half of you into glue, and then could the person part of you use that glue to repair a bird feeder? Yes. Do you dump wherever you're standing, or do you use toilets? Or do you use some magical centaur toilet? We use regular bathrooms. Do you use special centaur toilet paper? Nope. We use normal toilet paper. How do you reach back there? <laughs> to wipe yourself. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, there is a device we use. It's called an Ogbesian. It's a stainless steel telescoping rod with ripper claws and a sort of toggle line that allows you to move the paper back and forth. So, there's a company that manufactures centaur ass wipers. <laughs> Ogbesians, yes. Um, there's a store that's sort of like a crate and barrel for centaurs called Ogbesians and such. Um, there's one on 57th Street. I've seen that establishment. You, you eat steak. Is that some kind of cannibalism? Uh, I, I'm sorry. Can, can we return to a line of questioning related to my medical qualifications? Absolutely. Let me just find the right paperwork. Thank you. Um, here we go. <laughs> Is there centaur pornography? That is not a medical question. Do you want this job? <sighs> yes, there is centaur porn. If I were to watch centaur porn, but with the bottom of the screen blocked out with a piece of cardboard, would I find the human halves of the female actresses appealing? Well, maybe, but you've got to remember that at some point there's going to be a horse penis in there. Fair enough. I think that's all the center questions I have. I want to thank you for coming in. We'll be in touch. I, I appreciate it. Um, can I just ask you, did I get the job? No. I'm sorry. 
We don't hire dirty centaurs. <laughs> we don't hire dirty centaurs. That's a perfect blow for that sketch. Uh, thank you so much for selecting that, Thomas and Jamie. Uh, I think that does seal the deal. Uh, Christopher Walken has officially been nominated, and now it's going to be up to you to determine whether or not he makes it into the Hall of Fame in the host category. We will see how that all pans out as the days and weeks come to pass. In the meantime, make sure you are registered to vote, and um, you'll be all set when the time comes. That's what I've got for you this week. So if you'd please do me a favor, on your way out, as you walk past the Weekend Update exhibit, turn out the lights, because the SNL Hall of Fame is now closed. Thanks for listening to the SNL Hall of Fame podcast. Make sure to rate, review, share, and subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on social media at SNLHOF. This is Doug Denant saying, this is Doug Denant saying, see you next week. Cast some such.